0: Everybody and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Miller, joined as always by my co host, Ian Cummings. And today is a very special day. It is Thursday, and today is a mailbag day. That means we are answering your questions. Get ready for it, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. But as always, first, Ian, I got to ask, how are you doing today?
1: Doing good, doing good. I love mailbag days, man. These are my favorite podcasts. I mean, everyone is a good one, right? When you're talking NFL draft, but with these ones, we can really open up and cover a a vast array of topics. And so I love it. On the non-football side, my JV tennis team had our last match yesterday. I thought they played well. So shout out again, guys. Uh, Keep plugging, keep putting that work (laughs) in. But uh, yeah, how are you doing, Dalton? I got to ask you as well.
0: Uh, I'm doing okay. I am doing okay. I still got this little eye thing going on, but I, I got some, some, uh, some ointment for it. Some, uh, some stuff to keep it, uh, moist, I guess. A there lot of go. people don't like that word, but there is the only word that I can really think of right there. The
1: first 60 seconds of our podcast. This will be, wait, what else did I say? Ointment and moist.
0: Ointment and moist. Yeah. Yes. Well, um, those two things go hand in hand. There we go. Let's get into the questions here. Um, could brock bowers pass kyle pitts as the highest drafted tight end ever that is from mark Ken.
1: yeah and real quick thank you all again for submitting Everyone. the questions we got a ton of great ones this time every time they allow us to open up we have a few rapid fire ones and we get very long-winded so we're gonna try and uh employ we're not some... gonna
0: be long-winded today we're just gonna go
1: exactly we're gonna try and employ some self-restraint we'll try here all right so brock bowers could he surpass kyle pitts pitts went fourth overall it depends on who's up there, what else they need, because quarterback obviously takes precedence. But in a vacuum, I think Bowers does have the talent to do it, honestly. I think, you know, we talked about the three-level threat. He is that guy. You know, he's got the explosiveness, the rack, the catching ability, and I think he's a superior blocker than Pitts was coming out, more versatile, a little more forceful. So I say yes, but it depends on who's there and what they need and if they're willing to take that chance.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty much how I feel about it. It's really tough because I think if it were a different class, I would say yes yep. and feel pretty good about it. But when you have Caleb Williams, Drake May, Olufushanu, uh Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, those guys, I, I think, are going to make it tough for him to be drafted in the top four. On top of the scare of drafting another Kyle Pitts. And it, it's not to say that Kyle Pitts has been a bust because I don't think that he has. He's the only the second ever tight end to have 1,000 yards as a rookie. He just has been forgotten about in that offense sense. And uh, those are are crimes against humanity. And Arthur Smith should be tried in a court of law. Next question. What is shaping up to be the weakest position group in the class? This uh, is from Kyle Yates.
1: Yeah, this is a tough one. I don't think there's a bona fide weak position in this class. I think
0: there's a lot of depth to it's, it's the be, board. It, it. I think it's got to be linebacker. And I, I think just linebacker from now on is going to kind of be a tough class because linebacker play at the college level, at the NFL level, it is just not as important as it once was. And then you also just don't have as many linebackers on the field anymore as you used to have. Teams are playing a lot more three safety. I mean, you have guys that are hybrids. At the college level, who are you know that six foot six one, 215 pound range, you know, your your um, wusu koromoa type guys yeah. who you know might play safety at the college level and then be a full time off the ball linebacker at the next level. And we don't really know that right now. So for me, I, I think that it's linebacker, and I think most of the time it's going to be pretty safe to say that from here on out, it will be linebacker.
1: Yeah. And I will say the linebacker class has a lot of deep sleepers, right? Like, you know, we will look back in in two to three years and there's guys that maybe went late round or undrafted that ended up carving out roles. And that's just the nature of the position, right? If you can tackle, if you're fast enough, if you're fast enough to read plays too, that's always going to provide value. But, you know, like Dalton said, just the nature of the position in the modern NFL with defenses, you know, using more nickel, uh, it is just going to be a little undervalued. Another I'll throw in quick is sender. You know, I think center isn't quite as strong as we've seen in years past. I love Cedric Van Praan. There are a lot of good options beyond him. Zach Frazier. I think Bo Limmer has some talent. He's a little raw technically, but I do like the talent there, but a little weaker. But again, I do like what's there.
0: And again, center just there's only one of them on the football field. So it's going to be a weaker position group no matter what. But with linebacker, another thing that we kind of have to look at is something that I forgot. I I had it in my head. I had it in my brain, and then I forgot it, so we're going to move on. Will Garrett Schrader go one or two? And I changed this question a little bit for myself because this is from Adam Beasley, Mm -hmm. uh, Syracuse alumnus. Uh, I changed the question to will Garrett Schrader be drafted? What do you think, Ian?
1: Well, first off. Adam, got to respect the Syracuse love. I got family up in Rochester near there, so uh, they're Syracuse fans too. So, hey, I'm always rooting for him. Garrett Schrader, man, I do think he has a chance to be drafted. I think um, he's kind of in that late-round PFA range. as a QB prospect for me. Doesn't have a great arm, and I think that's going to be a big thing for him. He's not very accurate, too. I think he has improved his situational precision a little bit, but it's never going to be a bona fide strength for him. That said, he's a great athlete. He's a very tough competitor, and I do think he's poised enough to operate within the pocket in the quick game. So he could be drafted, but you know, I think intangibly you're a little bit limited with the lack of arm strength and lack of accuracy.
0: How does Jacoby Widman's season-ending injury affect his draft stock Is it ceiling late on day two or is it higher or lower than that?
1: Yeah, this is my good buddy, Jeffrey, uh, over in Lansing, Michigan. Jeffrey thought he used the wrong form of effect. He actually used the right form. So he was like, oh, I used the wrong form. He was getting all, <laughs> he was getting all, he was upset about it. But Jeffrey,
0: you use the right no, form. A, a, effect and effect are tough. They're they, tough. They really are. They you really to, are. To figure out which one you're using. In in certain situations, sometimes it's very, very easy. But yes, he, he used the right effect.
1: And I, I got a bag on him because you got to know. You just gotta know man i mean a e it's simple no i'm just i'm messing with you jeffrey but uh glad to hear the question from you with jacoby women i think um he was very productive in 2021 and 2022 as a speed rusher, right? That's really his only function, I think. He's not Mm -hmm. instinctive enough to play off-ball linebacker, in my opinion, and he's not quite big enough to be a three-down edge defender. So he's a little tricky for me, I think. His range is probably, I think, where you start is early to mid-day three. If he tests well enough, he's explosive. He's really bendy. That ghost move, man, against Western Michigan in week one in 2022, I mean, he had four sacks off of that alone. So I look at a role like James Houston for the Lions, uh, you know, maybe that undersized, specialized pass rusher you know could be a role for him but you know if he doesn't have three down value that's not something you take early so i think early to midday three is the ceiling for him maybe he sneaks into the pfa pool and ends up providing value for a team a 3-4 team in particular i think
0: yeah um you know with a guy like him i, I think that you look at what Joshua J is able to do yeah. in north in north i was almost in north carolina for some reason but at new england um playing 20, 25 snaps a game at most and getting five, six pressures each time he goes out there because of that athleticism. And you're right. I I don't think that he has three down potential and that is going to drop him in the draft. Uh, He obviously isn't as productive as Josh Ujay was at Michigan or as good of an athlete, I think, as Josh UJ. The season-ending injury makes the things a little bit more difficult. But I do think that guys like that, particularly in the NFL today where we are becoming more specialized in what guys are doing. I think that a third down pass rusher type is actually incredibly valuable. And if you can find one of those guys in rounds four to round seven, that is huge, huge value because he is bringing you a couple of sacks, you know, here and there. So uh, I think that day three is the, the proper range for him. Yeah. And you know, if to not go off of that falling tour, into that UDFA range, it just all depends on how serious the injury act ends up being.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it was a pectoral injury, so hopefully, you know, you can get back two hundred percent. But to go off of that too, uh, the Patriots drafted a couple of Spartans last year: Rice Beringer, punter, and Amir Speed, corner. So there is a chance they have an eye on the roster still, and and uh, Winman does fit that kind of role if they want to add more depth there. So something to keep yep. an eye on.
0: Yep. Who are some sleeper safeties in this upcoming class? And who are some of your favorite group of five running backs? Ian, I'm just, we're going to skip over the safeties for first. We got to go to the running backs and it's one running back specifically that I'm going to let you go off on here. Let's uh, bring up your boy.
1: My favorite group of five running back sleeper favorite group five running back sleeper is blake watson from memphis i'm a huge fan of this guy he actually grades a day two talent for me already and i think he may be closer to a top five running back for me than a top 10 running back i'm a big fan of what he has to offer Five nine one eighty five, explosive enough but i think really the root of his value you know the contact balance for his size is uncanny it is size defying he's very agile very slippery great change of direction Uh, You know, he's got size defying physicality for his size. I think the vision is very good, but the patience is elite. This guy is very good at tempoing his runs, not going on autopilot, finding those lanes and slithering through. But then on top of that, too, he's a high level receiving threat. This is a guy who was he's caught a ton of passes this year. He can be used in orbit motions. He can run routes out of the slot. His versatility and his running utility on top of all that makes Blake Watson, one of the highest rated running backs on my board, regardless of conference. So group of five sleeper, I'm all in. I'm Blake Watson. And I kind of annoyed Dalton and Ian with how much I talked about him this past weekend in Slack, but it's legit. I think he's legit.
0: All right. That's uh that that's good. That's uh the the one group of five running back that we're really going to talk about. It, it does seem uh, with all of the conference realignments, it's it's just yeah. it's kind of tough for the group of five guys to really stand out because everybody is in one of the big conferences at this point. But safeties, underrated safeties. I'm gonna go with my one and then you're going to go with one and then I'm going to go with one and then you're, you're, you're you know what I mean we're going to go back and forth here. yeah yeah and you should go first because you have three and I have two so start off with uh your Notre Dame yeah safety.
1: yeah Thomas Harper from Notre Dame he uh transferred from Oklahoma State I believe and he has too high experience from Oklahoma State but he's played mainly in the slot this year so I think that nickel too high versatility is really valuable but um he's a little he's he's got good size for sure Against Ohio State, man, he had some reps in the slot against Marvin Harrison Jr., where he is accelerating with him, not losing a step. Really good discipline technique, really fast feet, fluid athlete for his size, physical and support as well. I think the versatility is a really good checking point for him. But on top of that, I think Thomas Harper has the athleticism, has the fluidity, has the playmaking chops to be kind of that defensive hybrid on the back end at the next level. So he's played really well so far this year. That matchup against Marvin Harrison Jr. was big for me because I think it was a barometer for his athletic traits. And I think he passed the test there. So he's one that I'm going to have a very close eye on in the weeks to
0: come. The first one that i'm going to discuss here is hudson clark the safety from arkansas and i call him a safety i I think he's just more of a, a defensive back than he is anything else because when you look at what he does on that defense he is in the box he is in the back end he's playing a lot in the slot as well i mean when you just look at his snap counts it's it's sixty in the box. It's eight on the defensive line. You're over seventy in the as a free safety. You're over seventy in the slot, and he'll play a little bit of outside cornerback as well. This is a guy who has a ton of experience. He has good size. Uh, he played you know nearly six hundred snaps as a true freshman at Arkansas. Played a little bit less the next year, but has been really really good for them over the past couple of seasons. He is a playmaker on the back end. Like I said, he's got good size at six foot two. So somebody who is under the radar. In the SEC, the uh, conference that I cover, because I didn't even really check him out before this season began.
1: I was actually going to write down Hudson Clark, and I saw you did, and I was like, all right, we're good. Yeah, he's, he's fun, man. I think he has corner experience pre-existing too, so he's fluid, super explosive. I mean, when he's able to extend his strides, it's, it's uncanny, so very fun player. Another guy that's 6'2", really good range on the back end, really good playmaker, as well as Jay Stanley from Southern Miss. I believe he had five interceptions last year. He's already on a torrid pace this year, but he's that 6'2", rangy center fielder who can play two high, single high, really good length and catch radius as well. I think he's physical enough coming downhill uh, and he's fluid enough for his size too. a tight, efficient back pedal. You know, I think this is a guy who's the production really shows how he stands above his group of five competition. And later in the cycle, he's got the production. He's got the athletic trace. One of those guys where, you know, don't overthink it too much. I think he's really going to be a rising sleeper as we go on.
0: The next one that I'm going to discuss is Malachi Moore, and I'm really interested to see what his NFL eva- or NFL projection is because this is a guy who he played a ton as a freshman and then kind of got taken off the field the next two seasons and he's back into a full-time role at Alabama and he's somebody who is a bit of a liability at times in coverage um, especially in man I mean the the slot for Alabama is a really difficult position to play I, I think for him he is better off in that overhang role Um, where he can play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, play a little bit more against the run and less as a coverage player. And that makes me think, you know, could he be a dying linebacker the next level? Well, he's only 200 pounds, but every time I watch him play football, he is making huge tackles behind the line of scrimmage for this Alabama Crimson Tide defense. And Alabama's defense isn't getting the pass rush that we are used to seeing from them. Now, Dallas Turner is still doing his thing, but outside of him, they are having a lot of issues. And honestly, Chris Braswell is doing all right too, but... Besides those two guys, Alabama can't really rush the passer. So to be able to make plays behind the line of scrimmage is something that is going to continuously put defenses or offenses behind the sticks and allow them to rush the passer a little bit more efficiently. And that's something that he has done. Those uh, you know quick screens that are, are so prevalent in college football are getting absolutely blown up by Malachi Moore this year. And, and I'm going to con- just continue to talk about him as long as every time I turn on an Alabama game, I see him making those sorts of plays.
1: Yeah, the physicality in particular is one thing that I think will really translate in the right role. And he's and he's level. not
0: huge, and that and that's kind of my problem. I I I wonder about what he is at the next level because he is probably sub two hundred pounds at the end of the day. I mm-hmm. I just don't know if he has the coverage chops on the back end because we haven't really seen him play much on the back end as a safety. And he definitely doesn't have the one-on-one slot capability. So what is he at the next level is is more of my question. He's he's a good football player. He just might not fit in a lot of spots at the next level. Mm-hmm.
1: But that's the thing. If you can get him at the right value, then it can be a good pick. So yeah. it's something to keep an eye on. Thank you, Brian, for this question. I always love, you know, going in depth at these positions. It's always great. My last safety real quick that I'll mention Kendall Bowler from Florida A He's been very productive on the ball the past three seasons, really. Uh, six foot, 190 around that range, but he was on Feldman's Freaks list with a 4 3 4, 40 yard dash, a 10 11 broad jump, and it shows up on tape. The dude is explosive. He is rangy. He is fluid. He's got some corner safety versatility. So, another FCS guy to watch. He already has four pass deflections in five games so far this year. So, he's hitting the ground running, and I think he's got the tools to really ascend beyond his uh, his playing level at the, college, at the uh, college landscape. I was looking for the word there, but Kendall Bowler definitely got to
0: watch. The next question we have here: What are your guys' thoughts on the upperclassmen in this QB class, and how it may affect how many underclassmen end up leaving? We uh, we have actually talked about this recently. This is from Nick Martin, um, and I can't remember when it was. It, it might have been in the QB this latest QB checkup that we did on on Monday, but I, I don't know for sure. I, I think that it could have a, a serious effect on the underclassmen because this is probably the best upperclassman group of quarterbacks that we have seen just period there's talent up and down with them. So I, I do think that there are some younger guys who might just opt to stay another season at the college level instead of, you know, playing their hand and, and going pro. But, you know, when we look at our top tens here that we're about to do, I could see a couple of these guys staying at the college level for a year. And, when I go through them, I'll say who I think that those people are.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know it's going to be really interesting. We're not going to know the full complexion of the QB class that we're working with until that declaration deadline hits, because there are a few guys who could. I don't, I can't fathom Caleb Williams going back. Honestly, I can't. But no, Shiger, no, he won't. Yeah, like Shadur Sanders is one. Like who's been playing very well. You know, even with the pressure lapses. You know, I do think I would consider him in round one right now if he did declare. But he's also a guy who you know. Dion has talked about him probably going back anyway so it's one of those things where you know he could go back some other young guys who maybe go back for one more year of refinement the depth of this veteran group is so massive and we've seen on day three teams will look to those veterans right like I look to a guy like Michael Pratt will Howard maybe guys that didn't make this top 10 we're about to release who could field that early fourth round capital like a no connell did this past cycle so you know a lot of variability once you reach that point and let's get our top tens here will i ask for our top tens we lumped these together i've got these actually came out pretty similar man and i bumped up jayden daniels after after the fact i was like you know what the more i think about it so number one not high enough not, high not high enough. Enough. honestly man i swear hey this is very uh What's the word? It's very um, fulfilling for you, Dalton. We were talking about him <laughs> preseason. It's like he might be in the top 10. Maybe not. I mean, he is playing his way up the board, right? And it's legit. So Jaden Daniels has to get a shot out there. But I got number one, Caleb Williams, two, Drake May, three, shooter Sanders, four, J.J. McCarthy, five, Michael Penix Jr., six, Bo Nix, seven, Cameron Ward, eight is Jaden Daniels, nine is Quinn Ewers, and ten is Jalen Daniels from Kansas. Dalton, yours is pretty similar. What you got?
0: Yeah, uh, Caleb Williams, number one, Drake May, number two. Both of those guys will probably uh, declare for the NFL draft. Shudder Sander, or wait, sorry. J.J. McCarthy is number three. Shudder is number four. I think both of those guys could end up going back. I, I think J.J. McCarthy or Shudder could both be the QB1 in next year's class mm-hmm. if they were to stay for their senior season. I, I do think that just from a um, an evolution standpoint, I think that both of them could use another year at the college level. It's really tough because Michigan just hasn't really played anybody yet. So I, I really want them to get into that Big East or yeah Big East schedule, Big Ten schedule, and make things a little bit more difficult on him. After that, at number five, I have Michael Phoenix Jr. At number six, I have Cam Ward. At number seven, I have Bo Nix. At number eight, I have Jaden Daniels. It was really hard for me to keep Jaden Daniels underneath Bo Nix, but I did. Quentin Ewers at number nine and Jalen Daniels at number 10. We really only had J.J. McCarthy and um, Shudder Sanders mixed up in this. So mm-hmm. very, very similar uh, thoughts about the quarterback class right and now.
1: J.J. is just like, I love the physical ability. Believe me, like I've been very high on that through the process, but against like Bowling Green, right? Against uh, I think uh, Rutgers as well, um, you know, mainly Bowling Green, but he hasn't gotten into the thick of Big Ten play and we're still seeing a few of those ill-advised decisions where he's trying to yeah. force it when he shouldn't i think you know the first two games he showed a ton of operational growth but i want to see him sustain it before i move him into that top three range i think shader right now has a little bit better measure as a decision maker when it comes to that but both guys are very talented uh for I, their i age.
0: agree with that I, I agree um i just look at that arm and i can't i can't help dude his, his arm uh, jj is, mccarthy's arm is ridiculous he's got a hose for sure it's yeah. just it's very it's very fun um, with the state of the running back position in the NFL, how do you think it impacts this year's running back class? There's no Bijan or Gibbs. So when would you expect to see an RB one come off of the board? That is from ADI Avery. Thank you, Avery, for the questions. Uh, I believe we will get them every single week that we ask of them uh, from you. You have been fantastic so far. Keep them coming.
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been great to see your name popping up. Avery appreciate you as always. This is a tough one, man, because like the running back position I'll just defer to the broad scale. You know, if there's not a Bijan level prospect, and Jameer Gibbs was unique too because his versatility, I think, and especially for how that fit projected Unique, the but line. it's
0: amazing that he went that high. Yeah, like, like I, I like Gibbs, but he's a, a sub 200 pound running back. Yeah, and Detroit, who drafted him with the 12th pick, is still not using him. Yeah, they're not using him, and and running backs these days their most productive seasons from years one through years four so what exactly are we waiting for here which amir gibbs who has been incredible when he actually touches the football so far
1: mm-hmm. and my my theory is they're still waiting for more time to fully implement his skill set right like it's going to take time for them to really get a full bearing on how they can utilize him and you know like projecting him as a receiver you know he has a ton of upside there but it's going to take time for him to, to implement him into various concepts and things like that so you know i could see that but at the same time david montgomery playing well you know he's got some of the veteran things down more than gibbs does so i could see that but back to the question right if there's not a Bijan level prospect Bijan is a running back who changes the offense right he's a guy who can really compensate for poor offensive line play he provides very high value as a receiving threat you know he is the full package if there's not a guy like that running back is such a dependent position. I it's tough for me to see too many sneaking in round 1. I think if there's a team at the back end of round 1 that is strong enough where it can be a luxury for them, then you put a talented running back like Travion Henderson who's playing very well into that situation, right? But aside from that, I think we're going to see most of the running backs come off the board at the top end of round two. I think that's where we're going to start to see them. And Travion Henderson could be in that group. Will Shipley is a guy that I really like, and he kind of of fits that versatile mold that elevated Gibbs so much. Raheem Sanders could be a guy. Trey Benson has shown more receiving upside this year, so maybe him. Um, There's a few guys for sure in that group. But um, I think if there's not a Bijan-level guy, it's tough to guarantee round one capital for them.
0: Thoughts on what the Arizona Cardinals need heading into the 2024 NFL draft with a lot of draft capital, obviously. Defensive line, edge, cornerback, OT, wide receiver. They need talent everywhere. This is from White NFL 1-2-1. I, I think he just answered his own question right there. You-, you can go anywhere with the Arizona Cardinals, and I don't think that it would be a poor decision. I, I like what this football team is right now because I think they have been playing incredibly well coached. I think that it's a team that on paper shouldn't even have chances in most NFL games yet because of the offensive structure being so good. And because that defense plays with its pants on fire, they are keeping up with teams that are much more talented than them and beating one of the three to five most talented teams in the NFL in week three. So when I look at this team, I think you just continue to build off of that and say, Hey, this roster we can go anywhere with it so let's go out and take the best players that we can at in Im- the most important positions so if you have a left tackle and you want to upgrade over DJ Humphrey go and do it take Joe Alt take Olu whoever you have wherever you have them take one of those guys if you want to move Paris Johnson over to the left side and you want to draft JC Latham to play right tackle go ahead and do it if you want to take Kool-Aid McKinstry To play corner you absolutely need help on the outside at corner. So yeah, go go ahead and do that. It just whatever player you have graded highest at a position of need that is also at a relatively important position when we look at the landscape of the NFL go for it. It doesn't really matter who it is
1: Mm -hmm. and things have changed. To now, since the start of the season for the Cardinals, with summer mock drafts, they were projected by a lot of people to have the first two picks, right? With the Cardinals and the Texans. Now the Texans are playing a lot better than expected. CJ Stroud is playing lights out for a rookie QB and they could have a mid first round pick, right? And then you look at the Cardinals, they're kind of overperforming over expectations right now. And I don't think they'll get out of the top 10 with their own pick, but I do think maybe, you know, they could be in that five to 10 range, which is a lot different than one to three when you're trying to get Marvin Harrison Jr. All right. There's only so far you can fall to get out of that reach. So it'll depend on where they land within that group because if you can get Marvin Harrison Jr., get him. That's my philosophy, right? It also depends on how they feel about Kyler Murray and his future situation with the team. I think he's talented enough where you could keep him. But at the same time, if you can get a guy like Caleb Williams, it's really tough to pass up that opportunity to reset. And then you wonder who's going to trade for Kyler Murray, take on part of that contract, right? There's a lot of elements and factors in that conversation to have. But I do think, you know, if you decide that you want to keep Kyler Murray, Then you have a lot of flexibility with how to use those picks. And Dalton mentioned it. I think there's a ton of talent across the board to utilize. I would want to get some versatile molds on the defensive line, get a nose tackle who can encumber blocks, get some disruptors as well to add to that rotation. Um, I think target those premier positions like tackle, defensive tackle, edge rusher, corner, early, wide receiver, if you can get Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, But overall, I think there's a lot of flexibility. They're in a state in the rebuild where, you know, really there's not a ton of restrictions. Just try and strengthen the roster in the best way possible.
0: I'm going to skip this next question and we are going to save it for next week instead or the next time that we do one because we uh, have already answered a, a, a question from Avery this week and uh, we're kind of pushing up against it. Not really. I just, you know, you don't want to make them all 45 minutes long. You know, we, we talk a yeah. lot here. Yeah. <laughs> who is your favorite wide receiver prospect who isn't receiving much national attention right now? That could ascend into the day into day two contention. Another question here in the same vein that was from Ollie Hodgkinson, our fantastic colleague over at the College Football Network, Thanks, and the, the other one because synergy—they they have the same brain. <laughs> Late round wide receiver sleepers who could make immediate impacts. That's Cam Miller, the leader over at the College Football Network. They both had receiver questions because they are the same person at this point let's let's go for it you go with your one we'll, we'll go back and forth like we did with safety mm-hmm. now
1: this one's tough because i think um before the season i would have said roman wilson but he's playing himself in the day yeah, two maybe late. early day two range right so he's he's been he's been one that i'm high on for a while i think his athletic traits are kind of reminiscent of chris Olave, the explosiveness the speed but also the curve linear acceleration to be a really efficient route runner so very excited to see what he can do but he that ship has sailed he's rising far too high i would have said will shepherd too but he was really productive to start the year so i think he might be sneaking into that day two i think there's still a chance he sneaks into day three so i will yeah. say will Shepard. i'll sneak him in there i think another really good route runner for his size really good catching instincts slippery rack threat but one more guy that i'll mention really quickly is colby young from miami six five i want to say 215 220 Size speed freak. I mean, this guy is explosive. He can stack defensive backs, really good catching and sinks down the field. I think if you're looking for a big play threat, late day two, a guy who can, you know, stretch those seams and be that explosive boxer outer, you know, of the football, you know, and on those seam targets and those boundary throws, Colby uh, Young to me has a lot of traits that fit that mold. So I don't know if I'd take him before late day three or late day two, but um, if you're looking for a big play threat to bank on with those tools, he definitely fits that profile.
0: I love how we asked a question, and then you just went on and just went through three receivers (laughs) who you did not write down on the show script right now. Guys, this is how Ian's brain works. He can't stop talking about college football prospects. It's a problem. He just... He, he wrote he wrote down the, the guys he was going to talk about, and then his brain said, oh, wait, there is so much more to talk about here right now. And then he went for it, and I love that. That is what I love about Ian. All right, my guy, my number one guy, is Texas A&M wide receiver slash running back at one point, kind of, aniah Smith, somebody who, smaller guy. We do not have a ton of small guys in this class. Somebody who will work particularly specifically out of the slot but can play in the backfield as well I actually really like his vision in the backfield and I believe the Shrine Bowl 1000 had him listed as a running back so if he could beef up a little bit I could actually see him playing that position at the NFL level I'm sure he wants to stay at wide receiver and I can understand him wanting to stay at wide receiver I just think that he is a weapon somebody who you do get the ball around the line of scrimmage get him on manufactured touches and let him do his thing after the catch i think is a ton of fun plus he will bring upside in the return game as well
1: yeah he's a good uh versatile piece right i think he played running back in high school too so he's got that experience so that's fun you always bank on those guys have we gone over our sleepers yet for cam's question
0: uh no we're joshua and isaiah you're simply, I-
1: yeah that's right.
0: I just did sleepers. I didn't do any of the day two I got you, I got you. contention stuff just because for me, I have no idea. There's yeah. like 30 wide receivers that I think right now I'd be like, oh, yeah, he's a day two guy. No, he's not a day two guy. Not in this class. He's mm-hmm. not. So uh yeah let's let's go over the sleepers real quick Anais smith was my first one yeah
1: real quick I'll, I'll go over mine joshua cephas from utsa and i know cam and ali are probably big fans of him they like that utsa road team and for good reason it's a very talented squad but josh cephas um zakari franklin transferred out and there were targets to give and cephas has been very good again very productive again One of those guys who is around 6'3", 190, really lean athlete, but really smooth route runner. I think really flexible for his size. He's got good hands as well. So one of those guys is going to be a chain mover, but he's got some slippery rack ability where, you know, he's not that guy who can bowl over contact with his frame, but he can kind of scrape through arm tackles. He keeps his legs moving. Uh, You'd like to see that. So I think he's one of those lean 6'3 athletes who's got some versatility, too, on top of his route running ability. So, you know, I don't want to say Puka Nakua, but maybe Puka Nakua, very light, ultra light, right, Round six, around five, right? Josh C, if you can get him, I think there's some upside there. And then uh, Isaiah Williams, the change of direction is absurd. Another very versatile player who I think has been diluted by Illinois' passing offense. Get him in an offense where you can scheme him touches uh, on whatever you want to do, and I think he can really break out.
0: My second guy is, and this was really tough. I was like, which white wide receiver in the SEC <laughs> do I want to go for here? I think Ladd McConkey is getting more buzz than Ricky Parazal is. And I think Ricky for me is that guy that goes in round six, round seven, or goes undrafted and then ends up carving out a a decent little NFL career because I think he's a natural separator. I think that he brings special teams upside as well. And he's just really, really slippery when he has the ball in his hands. And I really like that about him. He obviously has the catch of the season. Maybe the best catch I have ever seen in my entire life with that one over the middle where he went like that. I don't know how physics uh, allows you to catch that football, but for me, it's the little things that he does with being able to separate from the slot. But what I like about pairs all the most is that he does have the size and the physicality to play on the outside as well. I don't think that he is a slot only guy. Plus, I think that he is more than good enough as an athlete, um, as a runner to separate as well. So somebody who I like that isn't getting enough attention, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, he's a good one. That catch is absurd. That catch is absurd. Yeah. He's got speed Unreal. too. I like that as well. That's a good yeah, complete uh, element.
0: I think he ran like a 4.6 in high school and his dad was like, yeah, he fell over during the run. <laughs> like he's he's going to be a 4.3 guy. I was for like, sure. oh, okay. For sure. I don't think he was that fast on tape, but he definitely had, you know, that, that in my opinion, like that, that four, you know, 4.45 to, to 4.5 speed. And that's yeah. plenty fast good. enough yeah, for what good. he does. For sure. Because he's more of a separator than anything else anyways. Yeah. Any traits, skills, or abilities you think get overlooked far too often? Any players in this class possess one of those tools that make them a better prospect than some may think? This is from Ethan Ebert, and this is an unbelievable question that I wish that I just had an entire hour to talk about at some point.
1: It's a great question. And it made me think, man. So I, I appreciate that we don't always get to talk about the draft philosophy, you know, like this. So yeah. this is a fun one to end off on. And we got a couple more. But this is a fun one to kind of wrap it up on. And I think um, I won't say any prospects that have it because in my opinion, one that gets overlooked from us media scouts, and part of the reason is we just don't have the resources, the, um, you know, the proximity to know everything about this, but you know, character, obviously, I think is a big one and, and more more specifically, you know, focus, passion for the game, things like that. You know, it's one of those things where you can't take what you see from a player in your limited perception at face value, right? Like you can watch interviews and stuff, but, you know, it's not going to give you everything. But, you know, if you do see that from someone, notice it. That's that's my my insight, right? I interviewed a few players at the Shrine Bowl, you know, Zay flowers obviously had it for sure. But another player that I interviewed was a Rutgers safety Christian Isian. And this is a guy who was all business. I mean, the dude's rocked up, you know, he definitely looks the part. But you know, right when you were talking to him, you can just feel the focus and the passion for the game. And you know, like his answers were succinct, but also descriptive, right? You know, he's got that passion. He knows what he's talking about, you know, and he's just very down to earth. You know, when you see when you feel that passion and that focus, you know notice it because that does matter especially when they're when you're investing in the person not just the player and we've seen what izian has done you know he went undrafted he's already their starting slot defender he's already been really productive through four weeks so you know when you notice it or when you see it notice it don't just overrule it don't take it at face value because you're not going to know everything from just one interview but you know Sometimes you get those little glimpses of it and just don't ignore it. Take it in value it and kind of let it complete the entire puzzle because that's one of the most important things, right? We can scout and we can talk about traits all day, but that mental element is just as important if players are going to maximize their tools to the next level.
0: Yeah, we, uh, w- when I talked to Jahan Dotson at his pro day, I knew he was going to be a first rounder because I knew that he was going to go into those interviews with teams, whether it be at the NFL combine or when he went and took private. Uh, tours uh, of facilities during the draft prospect, I knew that he was going to blow teams away with how the the, the way that he spoke. And then on top of that, at his pro day, I mean, I've already talked about this. His hands are the quietest hands I've ever heard in my entire life. So I I knew that he was going to go high. And I think that that's a really important one right there. The the way that somebody presents themselves, I think is huge. And I think that especially it's huge when you're talking about uh, front offices for the most part, who are on the older side. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not there's not a ton of dudes who are millennials in NFL front offices. And so I think the way that you present yourself to them is important, whether, you know, it should be or not. Um, on the broader spectrum of things, character, like you said, is massive. But my one thing for me, when I'm looking at a quarterback, and it's one of the reasons why I was so bullish on Anthony Richardson, and I actually tweeted about this the other day. The ability to avoid sacks, especially in mobile guys, because mobile guys, you, you look at the Zach Wilsons, the Justin Fields is those guys that try to create. They take a lot of sacks. Your Russell Wilson's. Yeah. And I hate to they say it,
1: but Kenny Pickett so Kenny far. Pickett, this year,
0: too. They take a lot of sacks because they are always trying to create. I think Anthony Richardson is also a guy that likes to create. I think Joe Burrow is a guy who likes to create as well. Burrow is a wizard in the pocket. Anthony Richardson knows how to avoid sacks and get rid of the football and learn to live to see another down. And I think that is such an important trait for guys to have because I think a lot of guys panic. A lot of guys make really poor decisions when they're pressured. And a lot of guys are too willing to try to make a play, overestimate their athletic ability, and take a bad sack in the meantime. And you do not see Anthony Richardson do that. You didn't see him do that at Florida And especially for mobile guys, that is a trait that does not come around often. And like you said, if you see it, notice it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, honestly, that was one reason why he was basically QB 1B behind CJ Stroud for me. I mean, like you can bank on the tools all day and that's the prime selling point, but the dude is not scared. He is not spooked. I mean, he will step up into the pocket. He will navigate through lanes. He will keep his eyes up. He's not gonna drop his eyes. He's not gonna panic. I mean, that pocket discipline and that pocket composure was so impressive and well beyond his years. And already we've seen it It was a one year starter. Exactly. So the the, the accuracy is still coming along. We expected that but he has shown exactly what we expected from his pocket composure in the NFL. I mean, this is not a guy whose process is going to erode at the slightest hint of pressure. And that's one of the most important things. So I think you know, that's definitely one that gets under underrated at QB because we get so enamored by tools and tools are just as important when you're projecting for future starters. But Pocket composure is really a barrier between proper execution and just completely crumbling. And that's that's life or death in, at the quarterback position. So I, I agree wholeheartedly. That's definitely up there.
0: We always talk about linebacker U and DBU. Can you highlight the assistant coaches that are behind the development of top-tier prospects year after year that maybe don't get the credit they deserve? We are not going to talk about Brian Hartline, even though he is... <sighs> quite possibly the best position coach in all of college football or ever in college football. I'm going to go with a huge name that is talked about every day in the college football landscape, but doesn't get talked about enough for his contribution to the defensive backfield on his own football team. That is Nick Saban. I think he is the best defensive backs coach that we have ever seen, period, flat out. I think he's unbelievable what he has done to evolve that position not first of all at at that you know star line or linebacker safety position that he has put his best players in that position during their college careers the way that he teaches playing cornerback is huge and has been huge for the development of the NFL and college football for years I mean he is the number one guy when it comes to defense and his specialty is on those defensive backs so for me He's the first guy who I don't think gets enough credit for that specifically what he does. Um, is there anybody that you can kind of think of when it comes to positional coaches?
1: I'll be honest. I haven't been doing this long enough to to really yeah. know, have a feel got, for a ton of positional coaches.
0: Yeah, I got one more. Yeah. Um, and it is at Ohio State, but it's uh, Tony Alford, the running backs mm-hmm. coach for Ohio State. I think that... Even when guys have come out and maybe not lived up to the expectations or had huge expectations as recruits and didn't really live up to them. I still think that Tony Alford does a very, very good job of bringing an entire package to a running back. That is the ability to block. That is the ability um, to catch the ball out of the backfield. And then also as a runner, I think that he does a fantastic job of progressing those guys throughout their college careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are kind of the two guys that, that I look at. Um, yeah. I don't know a, a ton of position coaches outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when we look at things like this at this point, it's more about individual coaches outside of the realm of college football or the NFL at this point because you can only spend so much time with your actual football team. Now, at the college level it's a little bit different you're around your team a little bit more but all of these guys in the summer go home or or go somewhere else to train somewhere and that's where they're really putting in the most of their technical work for sure
1: this question was from barnabas Lee. Barnabas Lee. yeah and this was a good one i'll answer your next question which was you know how does the transfer portal impact the evaluation process real quick um because i know you you mentioned you know is it just effort or is it needed to have a change of scenery i think The the biggest thing, the most foundational thing that the transfer portal says is that this player needed a change, right, for himself, for his usage. You know, he needed a change, right? It's up to them to make the most of that change. But I, I don't fault them if they seek out a transfer portal. I think at the end of the day, it's just about maximizing your opportunities and you see what they do with it, right? It's one of those things where, you know, okay, you needed a change. Let's wait and see if you make the most of it and if it's the right change for you. And sometimes guys hop around even after that. So not everyone works out, but it's one of those things where you don't fault a player for seeking a change because there's so many different variables that go into a player's college career. Um, You just kind of see where they go with it and what they do with it. I think that's the most important thing.
0: All right, let's get out of here as always. And we're just gonna get out of here. Thank you guys so much for asking the questions. As always, I love you. Goodbye.